Hello, my name is Jonathan and welcome to EV Brief for Monday, May 13. EV Brief is your weekly rundown of electric vehicle news from Australia and around the world. With the federal election happening this Saturday, May 18, and with, I think, uh, more EV discussion during this election campaign than probably anyone anticipated, uh, this week I'll be looking at electric vehicle policies from both sides of the political spectrum. Now, anyone following this with interest knows that there has been some outlandish noise from uh, from a vocal section of politics, let's uh, say, as well as the media, with uh, spurious uneducated claims around the electrification of transport, from effects on the electricity grid to just how EVs aren't suitable as personal transport. I'm not going to delve into this too deeply, um, because Renew Economy had an excellent piece this week, which I'll link to in the show notes. Um, but it has been a disappointing uh, disappointing time to see award-winning and Order of Australia holding journalists recently, and uh, over the last couple of years, in fact, spreading outright lies about renewable energy generally, and the effects of the move to electrification on the power grid. So let's look at the current government's electric vehicle position. Regardless of your views on the efficacy of the government's climate change policies, uh, the Department of the Environment and Energy has a climate solutions package which includes a plan to create a strategy framework for electric vehicles. Uh, Yes, a plan to create a plan. Uh, Now I'll link to this fact sheet in the show notes. um, And the fact sheet states uh, this, uh, states the following. Uh, rather, uh, that the National Electric Vehicle Strategy will coordinate action across governments, industry and urban and regional communities. This work will include consultation on whether mandating an electric vehicle plug type could improve the consistency of public charging. The strategy will build on grants from the Australian Renewable Energy Agency, ARENA, finance from the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, CEFC, and the current work of the COAG Transport and Infrastructure Council. As part of our commitment to cleaner air, the coalition government is also improving Australia's fuel quality to ensure access to the latest vehicles and savings for motorists from more fuel-efficient vehicles. Uh, So while it is good that the government intends to work with the states, obviously, and uh, the Transport and Infrastructure Council of the states, and also utilise grant money, uh, what this strategy is saying is that uh, we're basically going to spend money consulting and debating on the rollout of EV charging infrastructure. Uh, the problem with consulting on, quote, whether mandating an electric vehicle plug type could improve the consistency of public charging, end quote, is that EVs are rolling out now and we already have a variety of plug types in Australia from CCS, uh, Chatamo and, and Tesla, just to name a few. Um, And we know that the consistency of a standardised plug type would be somewhat beneficial. Um, However, there are Australian companies like uh, Tritium and things already creating ultra-fast charging stations with multiple plug types. And these are already rolling out through the ChargeFox and NRMA charging networks in Australia. Uh, EV owners can buy adapters already to ensure that they can charge virtually anywhere. And they have access to apps like PlugShare and ChargeFox to help um, them find the nearest high-speed chargers, which list charging speed, plug type availability, that sort of thing. And as for the bit about improving Australia's fuel quality, well, uh, we'll get to that a bit later. Uh, now, the Electric uh, Vehicle Council, the peak body for the EV industry in Australia, released a statement in February saying, quote, Australia's action on electric vehicles needs far more urgency because our flat-footedness to date has seen us slip several steps behind the world. 
we will be emphasizing that we already know the steps that need to be taken. The international precedent exists and we now need to be getting on with it. End quote. Perhaps more important than a consultation on a standardised charging adapter would be the support of more EV-friendly policies in this country. Jurisdictions with some of the highest number of EV sales in the world, like Norway, California and Sweden, incentivise EV uptake through tax credits, rebates and on-the-ground benefits like free parking, free charging and reduced road user fees. Now, Norway has uh, bet big on electric vehicles and has made it clear that they want uh, every single vehicle to eventually be electrified. Now that close to 60% of all new vehicles sold in Norway are electric, it's clear that uh, uh, the government subsidies there and incentives have worked and uh, have pushed people into EVs by actually making them price competitive with combustion engine vehicles. Uh, this has obviously incentivized and assisted manufacturers in rolling out new models and with charging tech companies rolling out uh, fast charging equipment. Now, I don't uh, even want to touch on whether there should or shouldn't be subsidies to incentivize electric vehicle ownership uh, or subsidies to the renewable sector because oil and gas and, in fact, manufacturing, agriculture, mining, forestry all have received and receive uh, subsidies uh, in this country and what subsidies do is broadly reduce price and uh, increase output. Um, the medium to long-term question however for Norway since they're leading the way with EVs is now uh, can they find a happy equilibrium between one moving people away from dirty combustion engine vehicles, uh, two uh, generating some sort of revenue from EV owners whether it's parking, tolls, uh, some sort of uh, charging uh, cost or gradually lowering EV incentives as the outright cost of vehicles comes down through economies of scale. Uh, and three, uh, moving more and more Norwegians into public transport because ultimately uh, this has to be the next step in uh, cleaner, more efficient transportation. Now what about Australia, I hear you ask? Uh, this is actually a good segue back to Australia because the New South Wales Liberal government actually has a plan. Uh, it's called uh, the Hybrid and Electric Vehicle Plan and it comes under the Future Transport 2056 framework. I'll provide a link to that in the show notes. The plan uh, actually acknowledges the importance of supporting the electrification of transport from community, economic and environmental standpoints. Uh, here's an audio clip from Andrew Constance, the New South Wales Minister for Transport, launching their policy and an electric truck in January. But the hard cold reality out of this uh, is that into the future, these vehicles are going to be everywhere across our community. And as a government, we're going to make sure we have the appropriate charge points. Uh, one thing I can tell you is that business is looking this from Woolworths, the Premier's Group, because it makes business sense to do it. So let's take a look at this document. The three priority areas for the New South Wales Government are 1. Vehicle availability, 2. Charging infrastructure, and 3. Customer information. Now, these priority areas show the government setting a target of 10% of their government fleet to go electric from 2020, commencing an electric bus trial from July this year, uh, investing in a regional fast charging network, uh, investing in commuter car park charging, and implementing measures to make new construction projects EV ready, as they call it. It's definitely a step in the right direction, but it's worth noting that uh, the Australian Capital Territory has been pushing a transition to electrification for a number of years now, uh, with no stamp duty on electric vehicles and discounted registration fees. 
Uh, they also have a goal of 50% electrification within their government vehicle fleet, uh, as opposed to New South Wales' 10% goal. Uh, I think because the ACT government is also effectively the local government or council, they are able to more efficiently implement strategies for the whole of Canberra uh, across all levels of government, such as uh, allowing zero emissions vehicles to use transit lanes for a phase-in period, uh, creating regulations around a zero emissions vehicle parking scheme, and uh, mandating EV charging in all new multi-unit developments. The progress in the ACT has led to Australia's capital having the highest sales of EVs uh, by state or territory, at close to 20 EVs for every 10,000 combustion engine cars. Uh, even though this figure excludes Teslas, since Tesla doesn't report sales figures, it still means EVs are a tiny percentage at the moment of total vehicle sales in Australia. And this is where the Australian Labor Party comes in. Uh, with a solid EV policy base and climate change mitigation action plan, the uh, Labor Party uh, has a clear, uh, concise argument for why we need to transition to a clean economy. Labor's policy document states, quote, Australia is one of the only countries in the OECD that does not have a policy on vehicle emissions standards. According to the government, this means Australians will be paying as much as $500 each year more in petrol than they should be, as well as seeing pollution on our roads skyrocket, end of quote. Let's go over some of their policies. Firstly, uh, Labor aims to have an EV sales target of 50% of the total vehicle sales by 2030, and they also plan to establish a $200 million fund to deliver 200 new fast charging stations in regional Australian areas, though they haven't stated just how quick their definition of fast is. They want to work with the states and industry to develop an EV manufacturing sector, and also, crucially, to finally bring emission standards to Australia. Labor acknowledges that EVs have a huge potential to reduce pollution, though disappointingly there is no plan around the electrification of heavy vehicles and public transport vehicles. Labor's EV policy white paper states, quote, While there is currently no commercially viable alternative to the internal combustion engine when it comes to powering heavy vehicles, emission reduction can be achieved by modernising the Australian trucking fleet. End quote. Now, this fails to even acknowledge that firstly, there are local companies like uh, SEA Automotive with proprietary electric drive hardware for trucks that are already building and selling these electric vehicles. And it also fails to acknowledge that um, commercial vehicles are some of the most polluting in Australia and the electrification of business fleets would potentially not only mean uh, better health and environmental conditions, but greatly reduced running and servicing costs for the businesses operating them. If you're looking for policies that push things even further, the Greens have that covered. Um, they're serious about meeting our Paris commitments and want to mandate that all cars on sale must be electrified by 2030. Although I doubt this will happen, uh, the Greens call for us to match commitments from countries like Norway, the UK, Denmark and France, uh, who have all finalised dates for the end of combustion-engined vehicles to be available in their respective markets. Uh, these dates range from 2025 to 2040. Uh, while I don't see this happening here in Australia, the Greens are also advocating some changes to affect the price of EVs in this country and to therefore increase the uptake potential. They want to see the removal of all uh, government import tariffs, taxes, 
stamp duty and registration charges for EVs, which would be subsidised by a luxury fossil fuel car tax uh, above $66,600. It's unclear whether this would replace the current luxury car tax of 33% or whether it would be in addition to it. The Greens Party have also advocated for a set target for EV sales in their white paper where manufacturers are required to sell EVs and have tradable credits equal to their EV target. Uh, Similar to an emissions trading scheme, I guess, this would allow manufacturers with a product range offering zero net emissions the opportunity to sell their credits to other manufacturers. Finally, like Labor, the Greens want to see the implementation of uh, vehicle emissions standards and fuel standards just to match the equivalent EU standards. Uh, This would equate to a minimum efficiency standard of 105 grams per kilometre of CO2. Uh, At the moment in the Australian market, in terms of traditional combustion engine vehicles, uh, this figure equates to something like a small Skoda Fabio or a Peugeot 208. Now I did mention fuel standards earlier and I wanted to come back to that because while the EV debate was raging last month, the Australian government quietly put off mandating an improvement in our fuel quality until 2027. Um, Australia is widely recognised as having some of the dirtiest, crappiest fuel in the world with a sulphur content up to, I think it's 150 parts per million uh, in our regular 91 RON fuel. Now, the European standard is one-fifteenth of that at, uh, at 10 uh, parts per million. Unsurprisingly, the oil industry was the ones who asked the Australian government for eight years to update uh, their refineries to meet new standards, and the government happily obliged. Um, there's no word from Labor regarding whether they would push for change earlier, but the bottom line is that fuel in Australia is causing more pollution than it uh, needs to, with even premium fuels having five times the sulphur levels of EU equivalents. So Labor, Liberal uh, or Green, where do we stand and what's the future for electrified mobility in Australia? Senior economist Matt Goodenough from the Australia Institute says, quote, The best thing we can do is subsidise early on and uh, tailor it off as there is more and more uptake until eventually it vanishes. We just need to overcome a market failure so that electric cars can compete evenly and the cheaper option will win out, end quote. I believe this methodology is crucial and uh, perfectly aligned with the new wave of electrification in Australia. EV subsidies are all about uh, positive externalities. Uh, When we make purchasing decisions, we naturally ignore these positive externalities. Um, That is, we don't necessarily consider the wider impact of our purchasing decisions on others or the environment or indeed society as a whole. Okay, so here's an example. Let's say you have a neighbour called Joe and Joe is against EV subsidies and chooses to drive a V8. Um, But uh, you have a very progressive neighbour called Mandy and she chooses to buy an EV. Because of Mandy's decision, you and Joe still share in the marginal social benefit or good to society as a whole for Mandy's purchasing decision. So because we support Mandy's decision and we're all EV fans here, uh, let's assume there is an uptake in EV purchases over the next decade. Australia's chief scientist Alan Finkel found that a 20% uptake of EVs could account for a 4% increase in demand on the electricity grid. Certainly not a big deal uh, as some newspapers were claiming this week, but uh, what if the uptake was even higher? The Australian energy market operator has called for time-of-use tariffs, for seeing that uh, 30% of EV drivers will be charging their vehicles uh, during the peak periods uh, uh, by 2050, and that is sort of 5pm onwards um, into the evening as soon as they come home from work. 
Now, power provider PowerShop has uh, foreseen this and is already doing something about it and leading Australia by offering Queensland EV drivers uh, with a smart meter the opportunity to pay only 9.9 cents per kilowatt hour if they charge between uh, midnight and 4 a.m. This is less than a third of the price of the peak weekday afternoon charge and uh, would certainly encourage most people to delay their charging until overnight. Uh, this is available now in Queensland if you have a smart meter and uh, an EV. Now whatever happens at next week's federal election, I'm sure that uh, electric vehicle technology is here to stay in Australia. Um, Charge Fox opened their first ultra-rapid uh, 350 kilowatt charger in Brisbane last week. Uh, most major manufacturers are now offering some sort of electrification in their local product lineups. Uh, and Australians are certainly engaged in the conversation around renewables, uh, EVs and home battery storage now more than ever. Um, there's certainly plenty of uh, dedicated YouTubers and bloggers and journalists focusing their attention on EVs in this country. Uh, and I, for one, can't wait to join the revolution and uh, purchase one myself. Well, thank you for tuning in to EV Brief for this pre-election special. I'd like to know your thoughts and of course would love to keep the discussion going so please get in touch via the evbrief at gmail.com and hit me up on Twitter at at evbriefpodcast if you have any questions or comments about today's show. Links to articles I've discussed today will be available in the show notes. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app, uh, share with others who are also interested in the conversation and leave a review if you have the time. My name is Jonathan and wherever you're going and whatever you're driving, have a great week.